Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. It's a summer edition of the Doghouse. So let's talk some Mississippi State sports here in a relatively slow time with your host, David Murray, on the Believe Podcast Network. Yes, welcome back to the doghouse here as we mark the end of spring and the start of summer. Well, okay, Wednesday is the start of official summer for those of an astronomical mind, so to speak. You know, here in Bulldog Country, summer essentially starts the moment Mississippi State baseball is over. And that was an entire month ago, which will play into our little bit of concern about what's going on with the pitching coach search, our first topic of the day. But it's been now, let's see, a whole month since the last out for the Diamond Dogs. And before that, three weekends before since uh, Coach Chris Limonis let Coach Scott Foxhall go. And Mississippi State still is without a pitching coach. Of course, uh, there's nobody to coach right now. Precious few dogs are on campus at the moment for June school. And most of them are out either playing summer leagues or just taking it easy. In fact, a number of them were told to relax this summer because just especially freshmen who played more than they expected to in their first season just kind of relax maybe show up at a local league play a little bit but mostly just refresh the body get ready because it's going to be an intense fall especially for you pitchers when your new coach arrives by the way related to summer ball we're certainly keeping track of Dakota Jordan as he tries out with Team USA hoping to hear some good news on him and if he does indeed make it are the final cut. I believe over 50 players are in the tryouts. They're going to trim it down to around 26 or so to actually play a series with China and Japan. If they play them in Cary, North Carolina, I hope to make a game, much as I did a couple of years ago when I was able to talk to a couple of Bulldogs who were on Team USA, coached at the time by Dan McDonald. In fact, uh, talking to them that summer and then next spring, Things turned out pretty darn good for the Bulldogs on the field at Omaha, so uh, maybe I was a good luck charm. Okay, that's reading a little bit too much into it, but you get the idea. Good luck, Dakota, because representing your country, hey, it certainly did Will Clark a lot of good back in 84. It made his name nationally as uh, the natural with his left-handed swing and, of course, the movie coming out at the same time, too. Yeah, we go back to such things in Bulldog baseball because it's just what we do. By the way, before we do start talking about our pitching coach situation as of this Sunday, let's get to our sponsor, betonline.ag. It's your number one source for all your information, stats, news, and scores. Uh, Now that the championships are over for both basketball and hockey, at least that's what they tell me because I wasn't really watching. I'm more dialed into the baseball tournament, of course. Still, there's Major League Baseball going on. There's all sorts of other things to follow in professional sports. Let's see, and you can get your latest odds and lines, latest matchup reports, uh, all during this. It's your sports intelligent headquarters this season and covered for all your insider wagering needs, from Major League Baseball to fighting, boxing, and others. The fastest and easiest way to get your information, your live betting options, and your favorite casino and card games available right now to play from your home. Our call to action. Get in the action today. Head to your website or use your mobile device to join and be sure to use the promo code BELIEVE, that's capital B-L-E-A-V, to receive your 50% bonus on your first deposit. Bet online where the game starts. Well, hopefully Mississippi State is finishing a pitching coach search. Um, As you all know by now, and if you didn't, uh, you need to keep up a little closer. 
South Carolina pitching coach Justin Parker has been on campus to talk to Chris Lamonis and staff and take a look around. Of course, he was back here early in the season when South Carolina came to Duty Noble Field and won a best-of-three series. Mississippi State won one of those games, remember, against a team that advanced the Super Regionals. And so he was familiar with it. Certainly he knows Chris Lamonis because even though they didn't work together at Indiana, Parker followed him closely after Lamonis had left Indiana, become head state coach at Mississippi State, and they've crossed paths many times along the way. I got to see Parker's people in action just a couple of years ago at Columbia, in fact, and Steve Robertson covered the series as well. So a well-regarded guy in the business. I've had a story written on this for, oh, I forget how many days since it first became clear that he was interested enough What's the hang-up at this point? Well, again, he's got a very good job there, although Mississippi State will make him a much better paid pitching coach should he come to Mississippi State. And he's also probably waiting to see what happens with his boss there, who his name has been connected, that's Mark Kinston, with the Miami job, which came open. Of course, Miami has a long-time fixture down there on the staff who could be easily promoted, a lifer, but it's quite likely he would just stay there as an assistant with Kinston being brought down to take charge of the Hurricane program if he does do so. Which is the better job to my mind? Well, Miami is probably an easier place to win at as conference-wise, although South Carolina certainly showed it could win this past season. Also showed it could lose because it had a stretch in the middle. The other thing about South Carolina is they're losing a lot, a lot of players. They were one of the teams that benefited from the COVID seniors, the extra years, and just keeping some guys around who developed late in their careers. A lot of credit there to Justin Parker, obviously, for what he did with the pitching staff to turn them around. So there's good reasons he could stay at South Carolina. He might even think himself a contender for the head coaching job should Kingston's decide to leave. However, Mississippi State's offering, by all accounts, a really good paycheck to come down to Startville and take over Bulldog pitching. Now, all right, before I get into that, let me talk about the other candidates, of course, Rob Walton, pitching coach at Oklahoma State. He visited two a week ago and seems to have hedged on this in favor of a head coaching opportunity somewhere. Whether it comes to pass or not, well, he's playing his cards close to that. Maybe he has to leave Oklahoma State anyway. We don't know. Mike Silva of Nichols, I still call him Nichols State. Mississippi State defeated them this season. He was in play until LSU got in the game, although he also wants to stay a head coach, whether at Nichols. I know the Memphis job has been waved out there. How good a job that is, well, that's a whole other issue. They're in an American Athletic Conference, so that's not exactly a great paycheck. Who knows what's going on in that regard. Uh, Mississippi State has also been talking to a number, and we, as best we can determine, and don't take this to the proverbial bulldog bank, but Steve has been working the phones hard for weeks now on this, and a couple of candidates are still busy in the College World Series, and you can start narrowing them down pretty quickly of who is and isn't going to be on the maybe the wish list there. Of course, Wes Johnson of LSU is taking the head coaching job at Georgia. Um no, not going to say it. No, that would just be a cheap shot about arms and things like that. Not going to do it now. This is a Sunday. i got to be nice. I don't believe the pitching coach at TCU or Oral Roberts would be in play at this point. 
that kind of narrows it down to two possibilities. Uh, one would certainly light up every eye in the country because Corey Mascara can write his own ticket if Wake Forest wins at all, and probably even if it doesn't. The job he's done with the Demon Deacon pitching staff in just two years is nothing short of amazing. Uh, yes, they had talent already, but he has also brought that talent up to a brand new level, and Frankly, they're still my pick to reach the finals to win their bracket in in Omaha this week. I know it's easy to go with the number one seed. No, it ain't because the number one seed hasn't won the darn thing since 1999. I haven't watched Wake much in the regular season, but watched them some during conference tournament play and NCAA tournament play, and Wake is for real. They survived a big test against a really sound, solid Stanford team, which showed a lot of maturity to me. You know, some teams just get that first-time yips and – even though Wake has a national championship, it goes back to when a guy named Eisenhower was in the White House, so I don't think that exactly counts as a Omaha resume for the Demon Deacons. You know, much like Tennessee two years ago, I showed up in Omaha to get my credentials, and they were already trailing Virginia in the first game and on their way to elimination in two games because as talented as they were, sometimes when you just hadn't been there before as a program, as a staff, it shows. Well, Wake Forest... Came back, beat Stanford, so I'm giving them a lot of credit there. I think they can get through it. The matchup tomorrow with LSU is must-see viewing, especially because we know LSU's pitching situation, having seen them firsthand down in Baton Rouge and during SEC tournament season. Anyway, that would be a dream choice for Mississippi State. I just don't know that he'd be interested at this point because he can look larger as things develop with the Demon Deacon program and around the ACC as well. And speaking of the ACC, Drew Dickinson's Virginia team, he could be eliminated by the time y'all hear this and thus technically be back in play if indeed Mississippi State's talked to him. Again, we've just been hashing through the names of pitching coaches in Omaha and trying to figure out who it is that the rumors are that Mississippi State is still talking to without having hard confirmations there because the guys are still working, and that's the two we've narrowed it down to. If it turns out to be either one of those, well – Just process of elimination. But still, obviously, the first choice right now would be Justin Parker. He's been to campus for a second time. It's just the decision he has to make. Now, there's a popular theme out there that because Chris Limonis, after two losing seasons, is acknowledged to be coaching for his job next season, that maybe a good pitching coach would not want to take a chance on going to what could, repeat, could be a lame duck situation. I don't exactly see it that way. Uh, Pitching coaches, in the first place, can be rather like mercenaries, like a good coordinator out there. They know that if they've done good jobs elsewhere, they will get a good job even if they go down with a head coach. But secondly, say Mississippi State pitching all of a sudden turns around next season, the program gets competitive again, some of the offensive players come back more developed and ready to back up that pitching No matter what happens, the pitching coach being the one really new factor for 2024, he's going to get an outsized portion of credit, maybe even all due credit. The point being there, he's going to get so much attention for what he did, it's going to make him look all the better no matter what Mississippi State does as a team in 2024. And I really think Mississippi State has the pieces to make a turnaround season in 2024 regardless Um, Now, we still need a good pitching coach, obviously, but State, the pieces were there. As we said so often during March, April, and into May, 
that roster was more talented than the record showed. Does that reflect coaching? Absolutely it does, especially on the pitching side. But there were other things that just rippled off pitching. And when you know you're just not going to keep teams down, especially in this era of offense, it put more pressure on the defense, on the offense, and they weren't ready to back it up. I think they'll be ready to back it up this coming season, but they shouldn't have to. They need a better pitching staff. And if Mississippi State is able to survive the portal, so far only one pitcher, Graham Eintma, has left, and he was a case of a misevaluation, not just by Mississippi State, but a whole lot of people thought he was going to be a quality pitcher through the transfer portal. Didn't work out. And there's a lot of those out there, by the way. Let's not just say Mississippi State alone got burned on a transfer pitcher. But so far, just one has exited via the portal, which opened up again on May 29th and stays open through July 13th. There's good pitchers out there, not quite the crop of last year, apparently, though there's still time for more to enter, especially once the season's over uh, after next week. So I still think the impetus is there for Mississippi State to push this as fast as they can now. Yeah, as I said, it's been eight weeks, seven, well, at least seven weeks, going on eight weeks since the change was made, since the job was open. If indeed Lamonis has all along focused on guys who he was pretty confident would be playing not just in the tournament but all the way to the Omaha, you can understand it. And don't try to throw up the, well, Wes Johnson took the head coaching job at Georgia. Head coaching job is an entirely different animal. You grab it when you can. Don't compare the two. Goodness sakes. Now, what happens if none of these guys take the job? Then you're going to start asking some really serious questions about the process, the attractiveness of this job, of the situation. I'm not so concerned about that as what will be the impact on the pitchers' minds, the returning pitchers, the underclassmen who, again, still have now almost a month to still enter the transfer portal, although jobs and positions may start filling up on rosters everywhere else already. Uh, then again, I remind myself that uh, the ace for LSU didn't get settled until mid-late July. So uh, that's not exactly uh, a hard and fast calendar because, again, once you're in the portal, even if it closes, you can still do your transferring, but you have to already be in it at the time. The football still applies to that, and that's why Mississippi State has been looking at adding some transfer players for football under guys who were in the portal as of its closing on May 15th. More on that later. Still, there's the push now. We can give a couple of weeks allowance for postseason tournament play interruptions, but once this is done, you've got to have that guy, if not already secured, then ready to say yes and then get the word out to your recruited pitchers who are likely to be vulnerable in the draft, to your current pitchers, who may be considering transferring, and, of course, to the pool of transfer pitchers out there available. Mississippi State, of course, has already picked up one, uh, Nate Lamb, a left-hander, which certainly is a welcome addition because State was a little short on southpaws the past couple of years. Who isn't in most cases? So there's a guy signing on with the program not even knowing who his pitching coach is going to be. That's really kind of how baseball works, honestly. You know, I'm probably going to tick off some people by stating this, but I mentioned it to Steve the other day, 
the message board's been lit up now for weeks about why is it taking so long? Who's in there? Who's not in there? And yes, yeah, sometimes the threads have taken some really radical detours just to stay busy because, like I said, it's summer and we don't have much to talk to with the team not playing right now. But my point is we've stayed really busy on the boards and on podcast shows over an assistant baseball coach. In fact, Mississippi State gets more action on an assistant baseball coach than over hiring a head coach in some sports. And I can say the same thing, too, for a football coordinator, by the way, Mississippi State. You want to get fans going, talk about offensive coordinators. I still recall the uh, furor over Art Briles uh, dangling state around before taking another uh, contract. And then, of course, Mississippi State securing Kevin Barbet, which I think is going to be a win in the long haul as well. But you get the point there. All the talk about offensive coordinator just lit this board up as much as a head coach or more than a head coach in certain other sports. Same thing for a pitching coach. The reason I bring this up, and to build on our last talk, this is why Bulldog baseball will come back. People care. Now, they care to a point that others may find absurd and even inexplicable, but who cares what outsiders think? And by the way, I want to get into a little bit of a side rant on that one. You know, it's a trap that even some of our fans fall into, caring more about outside perception than Mississippi State taking care of our own people. It's why those comparisons of a couple of years ago, people say, oh, well, the College World Series only drew this kind of audience and the basketball tournament draws this kind of audience. That doesn't apply. We don't care what office pool gamblers two time zones away think. What matters is Mississippi State must first take care of the immediate and permanent Mississippi State audience. And that's why all the interested pitching coaches and coordinators just keep the needle moving. Now, nothing moves it like a head coaching search. And maybe this time next year, we will have completed one of those. I don't know. This pitching coach hire is going to be very key to Chris Lamonis' continued career He earned a lot of credit by directing that 2021 team to a national championship. And anyone out there who wants to say, oh, well, they didn't need Lamonis, they could have done it anyway, you just don't understand how baseball works. We've had plenty better teams that have gone to Omaha with established coaches and did not come away with the title, and it worked that time. Coaching played a part. Timing played a part, sure. Guys getting hot, the right kind of chemistry on the team, Everything matters, and which is another reason why Oklahoma, Oklahoma, Omaha is so wonderfully unpredictable in so many ways. Those things still matter, but coaching mattered. Lamonis did his job. Scott Foxhall did his job. He was superb handling the pitching staff down the stretch, and particularly in the postseason of 2021. But it also showed things can go bad, and can go bad pretty quickly too. So there's no doubt he's coaching for his job. And right now, he may be hiring for his job. But if he pulls off Justin Parker or either of the other candidates that I've mentioned who are still busy in Omaha, you got to say that's a win. That'll restore some goodwill. And Chris Lamonis could really use a win at this point, as can Bulldog Baseball. Let's turn the page a little bit. Football. Of course, the big non-baseball news of the week was the SEC announcing a 2024 schedule. And boy, is that a commentary on just how big of a monster football is, college in general, SEC in particular, that we were able to spend a whole show, and I was able to write whole columns and stories building up to just an announcement of who and who 
you won't be playing in 2004. But it matters. Mississippi State, by the way, home games, Arkansas, Florida, Missouri, and Texas A&M. Road games, Georgia. Yeah, I had a bad feeling that was going to happen all along, and it did. Of course, the Egg Bowl stays in the schedule, and it will be a rotation turn to go to Oxford. And we dropped Kentucky and pick up Tennessee and, of course, Texas. Yay, I finally get to make a road trip out to Texas and finally see what's going on out there in Austin. So, how did Mississippi State come out of this? Eh, not the hardest, not the easiest by any stretch of the imagination. Probably more to the hard end of the scale. Um, but then, we're talking 2024. And I also need to point this out. I wrote a piece on Thursday about the non-conference scheduling that everybody has those seasons and how it compared. And some actually, I mean, LSU, goodness sakes, Florida, really. They have some tough non-conference slates. And others... <clears throat> Missouri, and a few others, just have a row of pushovers. And by the way, you remember how many fans were upset that Mississippi State had to play at UMass in 2016? That was because Tulane got pulled off the schedule by cutting a deal with another school, who happens to be now joining the SEC, by the way, and Tulane will be on that school's schedule in 2024. You know what uh, Big 12 team I'm talking about, by the way, as in, oh boy, you Sooners. Anyway, well, it's turned out to be a fun trip for me, um, a lousy game in a lot of ways, though State did win it, but at least it was played in an NFL venue. Missouri is playing it on the UMass campus. I had to look it up. I can't remember the name of the stadium, though I typed it down this week, but it seats 17,000. I bring that up. Oh, by the way, and Kentucky is playing a road game at a Mac school in 2024. I bring this up simply as a reminder that even our SEC peers sometimes get themselves caught in these home-and-home -home series with group of five programs. Our two-for-one deals Mississippi State has with a couple of group of five programs like Southern Mississippi. It just happens at this level when you're not going to go out there and overspend to get nothing but home games. Plus the fact you may turn out better for this because we still don't know what the 2025 and beyond schedule is going to be. Will it stay eight games or will it be a nine game? And then does it begin with five SEC home games or four SEC home games with a power five mandate game or no power five mandate game? So right now you're probably better off booking and allowing some things to flex on that because if you get an overloaded home schedule, then the next year you're going to be really cut short on the home slate as well. Just another headache for Zach Selman and staff as they look towards future scheduling. Of course, they've been handed a pretty well-completed slate, not only by John Cohen, but before him, Scott Strickland, and even Greg Byrne inked some of these contracts. Uh, that's why when you gripe about, well, why is State going to Arizona State first when that series starts next year, that series wasn't inked by Cohen. That was signed up way before, back when the Power 5 mandate stuff was put in, in 2014 to begin in 2016. So there's three athletic directors who have signed up all these non-conference Power 5 games. It's an ongoing progress, and it may all be for moot because I've got to believe, I still have to believe that the SEC ultimately, for 2025 spring meetings, I'm sorry, 2024 spring meetings regarding 2025 season and beyond, will say, yes, we want to go to nine games, and if it means giving up the Power 5 mandate game so the conference members who still see having as many home non-conference games as possible 
that are winnable games matters, this will be the pork chop that we throw your direction. It's your bonus, and just go along with us, and I think the rest of the league will do that. Anyway, the announcement 2024 drew great ratings. I had fun writing the story about it. And it has nothing to do with the future beyond that because 2025 is so utterly open. Would I prefer to stay 1-7? Of course you know my answer to that. I wouldn't even mind keeping the mandate game. But if they do drop the mandate game, I can live with 3-6. And then we'll be writing columns from here until next May and the next round of spring meetings over who those three permanent opponents will be. Will it be what we originally expected? Of course, Ole Miss because they will keep the Egg Bowl rivalry. Uh, Will it be Texas A&M and Kentucky, as most have thought? Well, the fact that Kentucky is not on this temporary slate might give you a little pause about what they're thinking in that regard. Could we end up with, instead of Kentucky, it being Tennessee or Missouri or even Florida? I know there's still no divisions. That ends after the 2023 season. But you still get some of that east-west in the thinking It's going to be inevitable when people start putting these things together. And, of course, with ESPN leaning over their shoulder and saying, we would like this, and we would like this, and we'd like it spread out here, there, and yon. Well, that announcement was made, and that was the big news of the week. And we'll expect to get a little more clarity on it on July 18th, uh, SEC Media Days for Mississippi State in Nashville. I have not been told which three Bulldogs will accompany Zach Arnett yet. I expect that announcement to come out any day now. Certainly expect Will Rogers to be there. Mike Leach was never big on taking his quarterback to media days, whatever conference he was in, and certainly not here in the SEC his first three years. But I think you just got to take a record setter with you there. Plus, Will, he can certainly handle himself in front of all those microphones on day two of media days in Nashville. I would expect Jaden Crumney to get a return shot and probably Nate Watson. Jet Johnson would be a fine pick as well. I wish that they would bring Tulu Griffin because he's a guy who chanced to make more All-American teams and as a receiver and kick returner. I just the, And we will talk about this in coming days, of course, that schools are – sometimes they want to focus on guys they know will get all SEC votes in these preseason polls. And sometimes they just want guys who will say the right things, say nothing off the wall, and get out of there with no public relations damage. I don't know how Arnett will play it. I know how Mississippi State has traditionally played it in that regard. But when they had somebody they really wanted to showcase, they would send them there regardless of the coach. And we want to showcase Will Rogers. I would love to showcase Tulu Griffin. So we'll see how that plays out as well. Of course, you could pick, you know, Cole Smith would actually be an easy option as well. But generally, coaches want to define it a one offense, one defense. And if not a true specialist, then kind of a swing guy who covers all sorts of other ground. And, hey, Tulu can certainly cover a lot of ground. Zach Arnett's been busy, of course. At ladies Clinic yesterday, if you follow social media, a lot of happy, smiling photos of the ladies, the Bulldog uh, Bells, as you will posing with the head coach after getting not just some uh, office instruction, but actually out on Scott Field itself. So good fun for him, but he's been really busier with camps. And the camps are paying off again. We've added another commitment since then. It's up to a total is 10, and all position groups except defensive back are now accounted for. And, you know, to me, I think the big news, and I talked about this last time as well, 
three offensive linemen because State has got to replace a whole bunch of blocking after this season, and maybe we're not counting on these kids to come in and play immediately, but you've got to keep stockpiling the big bodies. The best part about all three linemen is they're all high school tackles, and they all list. And I repeat, list, because, well, um, I could tell you some stories about guys and their reported heights and weights once they got actual college measurement. The strength coach and the trainers got in there and said, you're not nothing close to either one of them in your stocking feet. That's another story. Still, if you're listed in high school at 6'6", 6'6", and 6'5", as these three are, you're going to bring legitimate height no matter what. And you're certainly going to bulk up the all-important tackle position, which even with the change of offense away from the air raid primarily, elements of it will stay in there to a much more balanced attack. Tackles remain priceless. And maybe one of them can move inside to center. We'll see what they do with it. But that's the good news, that you're already trying to build up the offensive line which is absolutely what I would focus on, along with defensive line. Now, I'd like to see some more commitments there, but those guys absolutely know their value on the market too, so maybe that'll be a little bit slower with your best players committing. Uh, as far as the transfer portal, nothing new to report as far as guys coming in, and we're probably getting close to the point where Arnett and staff say, you know, maybe there's nobody out in the portal right now we can bring in that would do more than – be a backup or perhaps you know clog up the position roster for future recruiting so let's just kind of play the hand we have don't know how he's thinking on that score hope to have a chance to talk to him in um, before media days if possible but certainly in Nashville we'll be chatting about that to get his ideas on how to do the late portal work because once you get out of media days you're only a couple of weeks away from camp reporting of course you saw the news about Rufus Harvey now it's not official yet but it does appear he will be entering the portal uh, we don't even list him on the 24-7 site yet as having entered it officially. But it's pretty clear he'll not be playing at Mississippi State, and that was by Mississippi State's choice because of his health situation. It's just too big a risk. Just not able to take a chance on him. We wish him well. We certainly understand that he doesn't want his athletic career to be over. He's only a redshirt junior. He's got two more years to play ball. And if not football, possibly baseball as well. So it's going to take more work from doctors to clear him and for, to convince schools that they're not taking on a risk in that regard. You hate it, but sometimes it's just the rotten luck of an injury. And you, it ought to be a reminder, too, to all the guys who are looking at the portal or all the guys who are on rosters and concerned about their situation, be happy to be healthy because it can change in a heartbeat. And Mississippi State's leading receiver as far as passes caught last season, his situation changed almost overnight. It's just a reminder to all of us that this whole thing is far, far more fragile than we media, we fans, and yes, even the athletes and coaches make it out to be. Things change, bad luck happens, and we hate it. But you've got to be aware of it all the time. What you also got to be aware of now is Mississippi State is still selling season tickets as well as road game tickets at Hale State. And good reports on that. Hope to catch up with some administrators this week. By the way, um, before we get out of here for this Sunday afternoon to watch some College World Series action, just a brief mention. Uh, Paul Jones broke the story about uh, Chris Jans, the basketball team. At the end of July, they'll be making a trip out to Portugal to play three or four games overseas. And Mississippi State's done this often in the past under a number of coaches. 
And you can say it's it's kind of like bowl practices in a way. Uh, basketball will get 10 extra practices before they go. That's good. Just like bowl practices can be good. Sometimes it doesn't show immediately in the team, but you got to think, especially for this team, which brings back so many pieces from last year. Thank you, Tolu Smith. Good to have you back in the fold. Of course, two transfer players in, especially a point guard who's going to be a difference maker for this team. I think this is the kind of team that will really benefit from playing a couple extra games, staying more familiar with each other, and getting ready for what looks like a really, really interesting winter in a fully reopened, revamped, renovated Humphrey Coliseum. Well, we're over the half-hour mark, and it's time to go watch a little more baseball. So that's our doghouse report for this Sunday, June 18th. Again, maybe by the time you hear this, there's some hard news coming out about Mississippi State hiring a pitching coach. Maybe not. Maybe it keeps extending. But I can't wait any longer to turn this off, and you probably can't wait any longer for me to turn it off so you can get back to your Sunday activities. But we've enjoyed speaking with you. Always good to talk Mississippi State sports with the Doghouse audience. And a reminder to support our sponsor, BetOnline.ag, where the game starts. And if you like what you've been hearing, give us a like on Apple Podcast as well. This is David Murray again. Hope you're enjoying your summer. And remember, solstice is Wednesday, if such things matter to you. Thanks for tuning in again. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.